morning. Mark chapter 15, verse 23 through verse 26. We were supposed to be finishing Mark 15 today, but I decided last week that we was going to break this big passage down into some smaller passages. I just, I hate to go through a big chunk and, and miss some good points that maybe we could bring out. So we're going to just break it down and take our time. We've been in here two years, what's a couple more weeks in the book of Mark, I guess. Mark chapter 15, Mark chapter 15, verse 22. We'll pray, and we'll jump in. Father God, we come to you this morning, and I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would speak to us as we see these words. God, I pray that you would hide me behind the cross as I preach and teach, that you take away any fears or pride that's in my life, dear Lord, that I lay them down. God, that you give me the strength that everything that's done here today is for your glory. I pray that you open our minds and our hearts, open our ears to hear your word, God. Let it, let it be something good to us. I pray that your Holy Spirit would just, just do a mighty work, help us to be free of distractions and the things of this world, dear Lord, and I pray that you give us a good day. I ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Mark chapter 15, verse 23. They tried to give him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. Then they crucified him and divided his clothes, casting lots for them to decide what each would get. Now it was nine in the morning when they crucified him. The inscription of the charge written against him was the king of the Jews. By this point, Jesus had suffered greatly. He had gone through his trial. He had been sentenced to death by his own people who continued to yell crucify him. He had been flogged. He had been beaten greatly, not even able to carry his own cross to Calvary. A crown of thorn had been placed on his head, and finally he had reached Calvary. Finally his moment had come. Everything that Jesus came for rested on this moment. Everything that, that you and I are dependent on and hope for today rested on this moment. And all the pain that Jesus had suffered to this point, the pain that he would soon suffer was about to be excruciating. And here he was, about to be nailed to the cross. And we see here in verse 22 that, 23, excuse me, that they tried to give him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. Now, uh, Matthew's account tells us that it was wine mixed with gall to drink. And Jesus refused it. Now, we see on a couple of occasions here when Jesus was on the cross that something was, was offered to him. Here, here, this is before he was crucified, it appeared. And then in John's account, it appears that Jesus requests something to drink right, right before his, he, he, he dies. Uh, but here in Mark's account, we see this, that he's offered this drink, uh, wine mixed with myrrh, or in Matthew's account, wine mixed with gall. Probably not something that would have tasted good, but, but it is likely that maybe that they gave this to people on the cross, perhaps as a way to, 
to help kind of numb their pain. Perhaps if they drank a little bit, it may get them in a condition to where maybe it would not be quite as excruciating. Maybe it kind of uh, take them out of the pain in some way. At least that's that's believed by some to be the case, and that 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 would make sense. Uh, perhaps uh, there were some who uh, remembered the passage from Proverbs. Uh, uh, in the book of Proverbs, chapter 31, verses 6 and 7, it says, Give strong drink to the one who is perishing, and wine to those in bitter distress. Let them drink and forget their poverty, and remember their misery no more. Uh, and that may be kind of the mindset, even if these Roman soldiers who, was, who were nailing Jesus to the cross, perhaps they didn't read the Proverbs, but maybe this idea of, of kind of easing people's suffering Perhaps that's the reason why they offered Jesus this drink. But, but Jesus refused this. And if that was the reason why, then that would make sense. Jesus, Jesus was not trying to escape the pain. He could not escape the pain. He must endure all of the pain. He must take all of the wrath. He couldn't take the easy way out. He couldn't take something that was going to maybe numb the pain in some way or, or cause him to lose his... Uh, lose the ability to know what was going on. He refused this drink, and I believe it was likely for that reason that Jesus said, I have to do this. I have to take all this pain. I cannot take the easy way out, and indeed, Jesus did not take the easy way out. And what we see as we, as we go through the life of Jesus and as we go through the death of Jesus here in these passages, we need to be aware that there are many prophecies in the Old Testament that are being fulfilled in Jesus Christ. There are many things that were spoken of that would occur with this Messiah who would come. And Jesus continues to check these things off the list, so to speak. There are so many things that Jesus does and that Jesus says and that are done to Jesus beyond his control that are, that are checking off these things that the Old Testament tell us about. The Messiah is coming, and this is what he will go through, and this is what things will be like. And, and we have these little, little nuggets of prophecy throughout the Old Testament in different ways, and we don't want to miss these things because they point us to Jesus. So when we read of Jesus in the New Testament, it points us back to these things we see in the Old Testament. Well, for the people of Jesus' day... The things that we call the Old Testament, that was their Bible. That's all they had. They didn't have a New Testament. They had what we call the Old Testament. And those who read the Bible and, and really would try to see what it said, and, and many of the people of that day probably knew the Bible to some extent, especially those uh, in religious positions, uh, probably would have had a lot of it memorized. When these things occurred in Jesus' life, these were hints, these were clues that people would say, oh, I remember that. I remember that from the scriptures. This is the one that was spoken about in the scriptures. This is the Messiah. This is the one we have been waiting for. And so we don't want to miss these things when we see them in scripture. And, and even, even this here that Jesus uh, was going to go through this type of suffering is, is explained to us and described to us in uh, Psalm chapter uh, 69 verses 20 and 21. This is the Psalm of David, and it says here, Insults have broken my heart, and I am in despair. I waited for sympathy, but there was none. For comforters, but found no one. Instead, they gave me gall for my food, and for my thirst, they gave me vinegar to drink. 
Now, these are the words of David. David's simply writing about his situation. But they are also prophetic in that they are pointing us forward to Jesus. In the midst of Jesus' suffering and despair, he was alone. And what were the people doing? They were, there, they were there taunting him. They were there mocking him. And what did they give him to drink? Well, here in this first part of, 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 of Jesus' crucifixion, right before he was nailed to the cross, they gave him this wine mixed with gall. And later on, they gave him a drink, which is uh, likely a, a vinegar-type drink that, as to what we see here in David's account. And so we see these passages in the Old Testament that that obviously were inspired by God, that, that the Holy Spirit inspired David to write those words, and they were pointing us forward to Jesus who was to come. And here Jesus is fulfilling many of these prophecies that we saw in the Old Testament. Then in verse 24, Then they crucified him. Now, when we think about crucifixion, it is a horrible death. The person who, who came up with crucifixion as a form of death was an evil person. There's no question about it. There are probably few forms of death that are more painful than crucifixion. Think about the beating that Jesus had already taken. He was likely already in very bad shape physically at this point. And he gets to Calvary. They offer him the drink which he rejects. And then he is stretched out with his arms stretched as they take these nails, these spikes, probably something similar to what we would think of a railroad spike, something big, something that would be able to go through the wrist or the hands wherever they would have placed them. And you can only imagine the pain with each blow, with each blow as the hammer nailed the nail. And one hand is finished, and the other is stretched out, and the process is repeated. And the feet likely placed together with one nail, with one spike going through both of the feet. And then the cross would have been stood into place, into position. And the pain that Jesus must have been going through at this point. And as you hung on the cross, it was... A difficult death. You would die by suffocation probably. You couldn't get air. All of your body weight would be hanging as you slouched down. Your lungs would be compressed. And so the only way to get air would be to press up. And so you use the feet that are nailed to the cross so that you can raise your body up so that you can take a breath. But only momentarily as you were in exhaustion and you fall back with the weight of your body pulling on the nails. And each time you raise yourself up, your back that's already been brutally beaten scrapes against the wood, and you hang there for hours <coughs> until you can no longer take a breath. Your body becomes dehydrated from sitting in the heat, and there you hang. There you hang with people to stare at you, people who you love, people who hate you in return. And there they watch as you die. There they watch as your blood drips down the cross. And this is the visual image we have of Jesus, the Son of God, 
the Savior of the world, in excruciating pain, resisting anything to numb the pain, but taking it, but taking the punishment for you and for me so that our sins could be forgiven. And of all that Jesus has gone through, now he has, he has made it onto the cross. He has made it into the final stage of the journey. Once they placed him on the cross, he still had his clothes. They would be of no value to him. They were stripped from him. And those who were there at the cross took his clothes and began to cast lots, perhaps something like throwing a dice or flipping a coin. Who's going to get them? I don't know. Well, it's, a, it's a game of chance. Who's going to get his clothes? The people there that day cared more about the clothes of Jesus than they did the life of Jesus. They nailed Jesus to the cross. What's next? Well, we better not let these good clothes go to waste. Somebody's got to get them. Maybe it'll be me. And that's the value that was placed on the life of Jesus. Judas placed a similar value on the life of Jesus, 30 pieces of silver. He cared nothing for the life of Jesus, and neither did these who hung Jesus to the cross. And many in the crowd cared nothing about the life of Jesus either. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the hatred that must have been in the heart of those who were there waiting to see Jesus die, wanting to see Jesus die, looking forward to the moment as they stood there and they saw his blood drip and they saw him gasp for breath and they rejoiced. At least some did. But there were others who were there with pain in their heart, seeing what Jesus went through. But he went through it. He went through it for you, and he went through it for me. And we need not forget that. Then they crucified him and divided his clothes, casting lots for them to decide what each would get. Now, even this portion of Jesus's crucifixion we see in the Old Testament we see in Psalm chapter 22 another Psalm of David Psalm 22 verse 14 says this I am poured out like water and all my bones are disjointed my heart is like wax melting within me my strength is dried up like baked clay my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You put me into the dust of death, for dogs have surrounded me. A gang of evildoers has closed in on me. They pierce my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. People look and stare at me. They divide my garments among themselves, and they cast lots for my clothing. Now these are the words of David, hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus. Yet as David describes his suffering in Psalm 22, it is pointing us forward to the suffering of the Messiah who is to come. It's a pretty spot on, does it not? And so we read these things and we see that Jesus is the fulfillment 
And some today may be looking for the Messiah, and they say, well, the Messiah came, but it wasn't Jesus, but it was Jesus. Everything in the Old Testament tells us it was Jesus. Everything in the New Testament says he is the one. This is what was talked about. Jesus is the Messiah that was to come. And Jesus, no doubt, felt much like David did as he hung there, as the people stared. But yet there is hope. In Psalm 22, verse 19, it says, But you, Lord, but you, Lord, don't be far away. My strength come quickly to help me. David knew where to turn in the midst of his struggle. He turned to the Lord. Lord, don't be far away. Lord, come to me. Lord, be my strength. That's a good prayer to pray for you and me, right? I mean, there are times that we probably would say things like David. I mean, praise the Lord, nobody's put a nail in our hand and our feet yet. But we're afflicted, right? We suffer. We have pain. We have days where people are against us, and it seems like life itself is against us. And we call out to the Lord and say, Lord, what am I going to do? I'm in pain, I'm in suffering, I'm afflicted. But I call out to you, Lord. I put my hope in you, Lord. I put my faith in you, Lord. God, that you would be my strength. That you would be my deliverer. That's what we pray. That's what some of you may need to pray today. And we can pray that prayer. And we pray it with hope. How can we pray that prayer with hope? We pray it with hope because Jesus hung on the cross. Because he didn't come down from the cross. When the people said, if you're the son of God, then you come off of that cross. If you got so much power, show us your power, big shot. Jesus showed them his power. It takes a lot of power to suffer. It takes a lot of power when insults and, and lies are hurled at you, and people mock you, it takes a lot of power to say, I'm not going to do anything in return, but hang on this cross and take it. That takes a lot of power. And Jesus showed us his power. He showed us his love. And Jesus hung right there on that cross until he took his last breath. And for that reason, you and I have hope today. For that reason, in your afflictions and in my afflictions, we, like David, say, God, I need you. God, be my strength. God, be my help. God, be my deliverer. God, save my soul. And he will. And he can. Because Jesus hung on the cross that day. Now, it was... Nine in the morning when they crucified him. Now, some of your translations may say something like it was the third hour. As we read different, different translations, you may say, see different things. And as we, as we look at different accounts, you may see different words that say uh, different things. But whether it says the, the, the third hour or, or six in the morning, uh, or excuse me, nine in the morning, uh, in the... In, in, the Jewish clock, the day started at 6 a.m. And so if it would have been the third hour, that would have been 9 in the morning. And so some of your translations just make that interpretation for us. So 
this would have all begun in the middle of the night, and by now the, 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 the trial had taken place and the beating had taken place, and Jesus was at Calvary, and it was about nine in the morning when they crucified him. And the inscription of the charge written against him was the king of the Jews. Now, we don't see that here in Mark's account, but we see it recorded in other gospel accounts. And the people didn't want that to say that. The Jewish people didn't want that to say that. They said, hey, wait a minute. Don't put that up here that he's the king of the Jews. Put up there that he says he's the king of the Jews. And Pilate says, no, what I wrote is what I wrote, and that's what it's going to say. And there he was, hanging on the cross, the Son of God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And many that day rejected him. What about you today? What about you today? We weren't there that day. We didn't see it with our own eyes, but we, but we see it in the Scriptures. What about you today? Are you one that that sees Jesus hanging on the cross and what he did and say, what do I care? What do I care? There were many that said that on the day that he was crucified. But there were some who mourned. There were some who wept. There were some on those days later after Jesus arose that they realized who he was. That they realized he was the Messiah that they realized that it was only through him that they could receive forgiveness. What about you? You weren't there that day. I wasn't there that day, but, but our sins were there that day. Every sin you've committed and will commit were there that day. And that's why Jesus said, I'll take it. That's why Jesus said, I'll suffer. That's why Jesus said, I'll die. Because your sins were there and my sins were there. If you have not put your faith in Jesus Christ today, I want to tell you your sins have not been forgiven. You're carrying them with you. You're carrying your sins with you and you'll carry them all the way to hell if you don't put your faith in Jesus Christ. But Jesus says, I'll take them. Jesus said, you come to me and all your sins have been nailed to that cross. Jesus said, you follow me all your sins are taken care of. Jesus says you come to me and I'll love you. Jesus says you come to me and you'll find strength and comfort. Jesus says you come to me and I will provide for you for all of eternity. Jesus is a powerful Savior and a loving Savior. He loves you. He died for you. And I hope you put your faith in Him. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning. We thank you for these good words. What a, what a tough thing we see when we, when we think about Jesus on that cross. And God, we thank you for him. That's all we can do. God, we don't deserve it. We definitely don't deserve your love, but we thank you for it. I thank you that Jesus was willing to suffer and die and give his life so that we could be forgiven. God, I pray that if there's one here this morning that has not put their faith in Jesus, that today that they would in their heart repent that they would come before you and say Father forgive me I trust your son I trust Jesus I trust what he did on the cross may the blood that he shed be sufficient to cover our sins and I confess my sins to you God 
for any that come to you and say that. If, if we confess our sins and repent, you're faithful to forgive us, dear Lord. Your word says it. And it's through what Jesus did that, that that's a reality. So God, if there's one that does not know Jesus today, I pray that they would. God, I pray that if there are some here that are yours, maybe they just need to be restored. Maybe they just need to cry out to you today. Maybe they need help. Maybe they need to repent, dear Lord. There's sin in our life. Even for those who are yours, there are sometimes sins that we need to repent of. But let us all come to you today. Let us seek you today and let us find you. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.